basically aeroponics is soilless growing and I had no idea you could grow anything without soil. So the roots of the plants are free hanging and then the roots are misted um, at certain intervals with a nutrient ocean. Bonjour, hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is a space for people in Native communities around Minnesota, Makoche, aka Minnesota, to tell their stories about finding their gifts and sharing them with the community. Mm-hmm. Every week we have wonderful conversations with great guests. These are community leaders, healthcare advocates, educators, language warriors, many, many more, you name it. Uh, and I can't wait to continue amplifying Native voices today. How are you doing, sis? I'm doing well. How about you? Great. We're reckoning with a season change. We're it, it's it yes. feels like October Junior right now. <laughs> um and I'm excited for I don't know, seasons changing just feels really good to me. Especially now that it's less hot. <laughs> At least a little bit. And you live up up in the up in the up north, so it's you've got more cold in store for you. Uh, but I still like the fall season. I love it, but it always mm-hmm. has that tag that it's going to be winter. Um, the cold temperatures are coming in. Um, but is I that love, like I, a I, bad quote from Game of Thrones? <laughs> it's going to be winter. <laughs> it is going to be winter time. <laughs> but I was curious, you know, like, do you have any favorite fall activities? Jumping in the leaves, you know, or Um, haunted hay rides, things like that. What do you got? Yeah, I think that putting pumpkins out on the deck is just so lovely and just really Mm -hmm. marks the next season here in autumn. So I I think I think putting pumpkins out is is my favorite activity that's specific to this time of year. That's funny because um, I was at the grocery store not too long ago and I picked out three little pumpkins for our little balcony in our St. Louis Park apartment. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just sets the mood, you know? And That's right. I mean, I'm a big Halloween Halloween guy. Um, I love uh, scary movies. And so I'm going to haunt Maria all month with a bunch of Scary movies and scary shows and stuff like that. It's going to be great. Um, Today's episode deals with food. And I was curious if you uh, still have, you know, a garden during Mm -hmm. the fall. Like, do you got the the fall stuff? Yeah. So our Brussels sprouts are still growing. I don't know when we will harvest them, but I'll just keep an eye on them. Everything else is kind of well past prime, let's say. But yes, uh, today we're speaking with Danny Parados, who works at Harvest Nation, an indoor CSA aeroponic farm concept in northern Minnesota. Mm-hmm. She hails from Lake Vermilion on the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa Reservation. She's also the co-founder of the Boys Fort Sovereignty and Sustainable Agriculture Community Group. Um, so it's clear she has a lot of passion for food access and uh, food and body sovereignty. Uh, so I can't wait to hear more from her about that and just... What the heck is an aeroponic farm? Yes, uh, Danny is a wonderful person 
to talk to. I've had the joy of speaking with her a couple times. I did a couple pieces with her and also hung out with her at the Indigenous Food Conference. No, the Indigenous Farming Conference, which is normally held in March. It's been a couple years for me, but really lovely person. Very nice. And here she is. Boujou, Danny. Boujou, Danny Paradis, Indigenous Cause, Gishi Bagone, Gabawik, Indigenous Cause, Makwan, Indodem, Unamani, Zagigan, and Dujaba. So, hello, I'm Danny Paradis. Uh, my spirit name is Brothers Moving in a Circle. I'm Bear Clan, and I am phoning in from the Lake Vermilion Reservation, which is District 2 of the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa in northeastern Minnesota. Um, and our name for our lake is actually Lake of the Sunset Glow. So we got like the best sunsets around here. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, so how are you and your family doing during the, you know, uh, during 2022 as we see this pandemic kind of fade a little bit? Yeah, we're, we're surviving. We're here. We're really uh, happy that, you know, schools have opened up. Um, my kids are enjoying being back in school. I think, you know, we really missed out on that social part, um, in fact, I had this like weird thing within me even before pandemic that I wanted to just run into the hills and be um, off and alone out in the woods, um, kind of a hermit or like a little wizard lady. Um, but with pandemic and actually experiencing what isolation is like, um, really, truly learned to be grateful for community and how important that is. Um, that there's, there's no way I could survive out in the wilderness alone for too long. Um, so that was a very humbling experience. And so, um, my mom, she works, her day job is working at a mine. And so she's now moved into the warehouse. It was a lot of like physical labor before, of course, still some, uh, physical labor in the warehouse, but, um, she can work like a straight nine to five. So, um, things are on the up and up for our family. Thank you. Cool. Well, Let's talk about you <laughs> and what's on the top of your mind, Danny. Um, is there anything that you're thinking about lately that's that's sizzling and popping in your in your mind? Yeah, definitely. Um, when I got your email, um, I was thinking, oh, so yeah, and talking about a journey where where I've been at. Um, and I apologize for the phrasing. Maybe I'll say I've been going through a cosmic butt whooping. Mm-hmm. over the past few years. Um, something that I've shared with like definitely family, friends and, and colleagues, uh, close colleagues um, where I have like intimate project relationships with. Um, but it's really been quite a journey, uh, especially, you know, through COVID um, and that isolation period. I think we all got a lot of time to reflect on, you know, where we're at and what's meaningful and valuable to us in, in life, whether it's in career, but of course in our personal lives. Um, and so on my mom and my dad's side, I've been blessed with spirituality. Uh, my dad, he's a very beautiful Christian man. So he's got that set of values. Um, but the experience there has been uh, nothing but love with him and through him. And then on my mom's side, um, since, you know, we're from Boy Sport, um, we got a lot of beautiful uh, indigenous uh, people around us who um, are sharing even more now um, what that perspective uh, on spirituality is like. Growing up, I was kind of an urban Indian off Namarez. Um, so getting back more in touch with, um, I guess, the, the plant life and the natural world. I kind of grew up in apartment settings. Um, so that hasn't been more natural. But since I work in food sovereignty, that is like the core um, 
And so I know for myself, not even just being able to research, um, you know, what the movement is or where it's based, but to have that intimate relationship with it um, has been really trying to connect more and more. Although I feel like it's foreign to me, um, that it's something I almost sometimes feel like I'm playing a little Indian by myself with it, if I can say that. Um, and it doesn't have like that meaningful authenticness at, at times until I'm back out there in community. So last summer, uh, we had a grant from First Nations Development Institute to hire uh, youth gardeners. And a lot of our grandmas, when we go and visit our gardening sites, would say, you need to talk with these plants and get them like all jazzed to grow and tell them how beautiful they are right now and how excited you are to see like what fruits they're going to have for us to eat and just give them that encouragement. Um, and so with the youth, I was like, I know this feels maybe unnatural or maybe it is natural for you. I, I don't know, but I know for me, this, this feels um, a little bit awkward. Um, and I almost felt like I wasn't worthy of doing that. And maybe that's, that's been part of that cosmic butt whooping past few years since I was like Western trained um, and doing research and then, you know, the American dream of grit and grind. And then obviously I, I hit like a major like brick wall uh, with kind of the motivations as to why I was doing things and coming like face to face with my own dark side. Um, especially as like an Ojibwe lady, I grew up with like a lot of empowerment from my grandma, but then she went into a home and our family just couldn't get ourselves together to keep her home. We were arguing, it was really, really ugly. Um, and maybe that was the best place for her, or still is, but that was like a real like shaking moment. Like I couldn't fulfill my obligation to my grandma who empowered me with this identity growing up. I never felt like I was less than for being native. Um, but over the past few years, uh, was the historical and intergenerational trauma had caught up with me. Um, I was an alcoholic and I had sobered up about five years ago. And then I recently, this is like the pinnacle of the, the uh, butt whooping. I thought I was doing okay and I slipped um, actually about a month ago or a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so I got now back into AA, just like, okay, I thought I had this and just, you know, how powerful and how easy it is to go into back uh, back into old habits that are so destructive. Um, but I'm now, you know, working on things that I just, you know, neglected um, due to just being maybe stressed out or just didn't have, you know, a good focus in front of me trying to keep up with bills and kids and projects. So I realized, yes, I do have to invest time in myself also, even if I feel a little selfish doing it. So. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that, Danny, and yeah, thank you for definitely. doing like doing that work. And you mentioned taking note of what's valuable in our lives, and it sounds like you you have that touch point and can call upon that value and know that the changes that you need to make. Um, so you found that again, and you know I'm glad you did. And then making those tough decisions. Like with your grandma, that's got to be that's got to be tough. Really, I think on on that, I thought my office manager skills would have <laughs> um, made it all work out, like setting family agendas and calling like meetings and getting everybody together. But that's the the cosmic uh, cosmic thing is, you know, there's so many times that we can do whatever we can and we can follow, um, you know, uh, different uh, templates for how to maneuver something 
But at the end of the day, um, we're not always in control. So learning acceptance for, for things, um, hard as we might fight for them, you know, it, it seems like, like with small business development too, um, they talk about, you know, the successful business people or like CEOs interviewed them, like how much do you think luck played a part into your success or your business's success? And a lot of them are like, oh yeah, um, but it's just the environment that's set up around businesses that kind of help factor into whether or not they will not just launch, but but remain over time. So that's why I'm getting more excited about the next few years of life coming up to see how we can build better ecosystems for each other. Um, and those spaces like Native Lights is great because um, you're able to offer a platform and get people like thinking about it. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Danny Piratas of the Boys Fort Band at Chippewa. She works at Harvest Nation, an indoor aeroponic farm concept. And she's also the co-founder of Boys Fort Sovereignty and Sustainable Agriculture Community Group. Yeah, you're talking about the farm uh, you teased at it a little bit. So if we could get into that, uh, tell us about Harvest Nation. And could you please also give us a little explainer of what aeroponics is? Because I may or may not know. Most definitely. So a few years ago, um, my mother, Denise Paradis, who has this beautiful, beautiful brain, um, came up with this concept for an indoor aeroponics, which I'll explain in a little bit. Uh, CSA, that's community-supported agriculture uh, farm model. Um, it's still been in development. Um, we're still finalizing a new prototype, which actually doubles up on aeroponics and turns it into fog ponics, which is kind of cool. Um, and so what it is is soilless growing, and I had no idea you could grow anything without soil until my mom brought this up with me. Um, basically, aeroponics, kind of the key word in that is like aero, like air. So the roots of the plants are free hanging and the plants are supported, supported um, like on a like medium. And then the roots are misted um, at certain intervals with a nutrient ocean. Um, and they, you know, we always use this tomato example. So tomatoes uh, in soil, they grow in about 80 days in hydroponics. That's where the roots are submerged in water and the nutrient mix flows through. It takes maybe about 60 days to harvest. And then in aeroponics, it's about 50 days. Um, so it's pretty efficient. Um, and selling through a CSA uh, farm sales model is really kind of the coolest way to be uh, finding a way to have an alternative to mainstream food distribution. So even though we're all pretty much trained to go to the grocery store, um, selling with our farm, we just can't compete on price point. But if we can box all the food together and do some sort of like farm stand or even home de- delivery, um, makes it that much more easy for people to have food. And the cool thing, growing indoors in a northern climate, we can have fresh food access year round, no matter what happens with climate change or, you know, we're kind of half joking about, you know, pending apocalypse, but hey, at least we'll have food up here. Um, and then the new iteration on aeroponics is fogponics. So same concept, the roots are misted 
with the nutrient solution, but really is you fog the grow area. And I, I, I'm not a scientist, so, um, but basically <laughs> plants, they like to eat their food um, in ion form. And so the fogging thing with the, uh, these highly pressurized nozzles have uh, a way of ionizing the, the chemicals that come from the nutrient mix. So the plants are able to eat um, even easier, and so there's less waste, in, waste involved, is my understanding. So. So what's what's your role at uh, Harvest Nation? I am the sales and marketing director, uh, which I think it's funny. I was gifted this role for my mom because um, she thinks or thought I would be good at it. I don't know that I am. I told her with like some of my anxiety issues, I, I could be the farm safety manager or the risk liability person. <laughs> um, so, but basically, we've aligned ourselves with the food sovereignty movement, and so one of its core principles, there's four, is education and outreach. So if I can um, shift my brain a little bit more in that direction, it feels a little bit better. I feel a little bit cringy, like a used car salesman with that other title. Um, and so with that, um, while Harvest Nation has been in development, uh, a friend of mine from NetLake, uh, we've come together to start this Boys Sports Food Sovereignty Group. And it's very, very grassroots. Um, we're unincorporated and have fiscal agents helping us and other and many other partners and mentors. And so we're just kind of getting going on bringing um, more people with us. So there's that quote where it's like, you can go fast alone or we can go farther together. Um, without that piece, it just wouldn't feel right. And I've heard other people talk about, oh, yeah, business development. And it's like, yeah, just go get it. Go hard. Well, you know, we hit a brick wall with that. And then again, with that community piece, you know, doing it alone, it just didn't feel right. Um, so it's great. We have this um, food sovereignty group developing where, you know, Harvest Nation is just one solution. Since it's, you know, indoor growing, we need um, the regenerate, regenerative farming that heals the soil. Since Harvest Nation Aeroponics isn't soil-based. Um, we're losing our soil, and by like 2050, we're gonna have like a whole bunch more people to feed. Um, I think nine billion people they're expecting by the year 2050. Um, that's quite a lot of mouths. So I can I kind of see it as you know we can have you know production um, indoors so that we can feed everybody fresh food. And then the regenerative practices, like all around and all different styles and like every corner of the world and all these things coming together, healing the planet and also healing our bodies. So look at there. So are aeroponically grown foods basically the same as regularly grown foods? Are they like, do they taste different or is it just the same? It is mostly the same. Um, some people fear that we might be losing out on some elements that might be in the soil that we will not have in our nutrient mix. Um, we are using heirloom seeds. Those are the ones that are unadulterated, non-GMO. So we're pollinating either by hand, which is very labor intensive, um, or using bees. And it's funny, I have a bee allergy, so we haven't figured that one out. Oh, um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Danny Parados of the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa. She works at Harvest Nation, an indoor aeroponic farm concept, and is also co-founder of the Boys Fort Sovereignty and Sustainable Agriculture Community Group. So 
Danny, also with aeroponics, can you grow most foods with it? Is there any like certain kind of food that you're like, no, this doesn't work, like potatoes or something? No, you can grow potatoes. You can grow root vegetables. Um, The the only barrier really is, um, you know, the the size of the grow area. Um, So we worked on a project with uh, students at the U of M to design these um, grow bags that are more modular than like a grow bin. Um, So it's a little bit cheaper to get the grow spaces uh, manufactured than if we were just to have one bin, then they would just have to fit within that one bin. But having you know literal flexibility with the fabrics, um, that's pretty much it. I think size and space is really the determining factor. So um, we were about to, before COVID, go visit um, Trinidad. My mom linked up with a UMD professor uh, who is from Trinidad and has at the U- UMD, it's called, they call it the chocolate lab. Not a dog, but a lab that mixes up different kinds of chocolates because um, they have the cacao, like the biggest set of like cacao seeds and, and um, like an arboretum in Trinidad. So we were going to see if there was like a shrimp trin- or cacao plant tree that we could grow. Um, but again, it's just space. And then, of course, like barometric pressure uh, for like coffee would be one thing we'd really love to do. We love coffee. Um, but the, the pressure, we can't really manipulate that very easily or, or cheaply. It's clear that you, you know, have a passion for like food access, food sovereignty. Where did that come from? I think through, through my, my mom initially inviting me in, um, and I had heard the term food sovereignty. And so I wanted to really understand what it meant. Um, but going through the history of, of what food sovereignty is all over the planet, um, it being such like a basic thing um, and to know like all of the pain and suffering that was used through, you know, colonization. <laughs> I don't mean to like step on this platform all the time, but I got really, really, I guess, pissed off and angry. You know, I knew the history of, you know, we got put on reservations and, um, you know, we had to feed the land, but I never thought about that impact on my personal health or the health of my family. Um, we started looking at, you know, how, you know, we were seasonal hunters and gatherers kind of moving around to different lakes and that we had encampments all over. Um, we followed our food, but when we got put on a reservation, that was no longer, um, legal, um, which is crazy. And that our foods and everything were just cut off from us and that we were, um, almost horse fed, you know, like commodity foods. So the overly processed junk foods, um, just because those were what were promised. And I think our understanding was that it would be quality food. Um, and so pretty much, and I've said this before, and I guess I'm saying it again, getting tired of my family's limbs getting chopped off from diabetes. Um, you know, people losing toes and legs even out here um, when not saying it's maybe entirely preventable, but, you know, it, it could be, should be. I don't know if we had diabetes before colonization. I don't know those steps or anything like that. I'm pretty sure we would be a lot more um, healthy, um, not only physically healthy, but mind, like mental health and mood, um, daily mood stability kind of relies on, you know, proper nutrition um, and how many other uh, disorders we have that, that stem from um, these kind of 
junk food. <laughs> I love junk food, though. They got me, Leah. Cool. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I'm I with you. <laughs> Nothing like a bowl of cereal. Just like some yeah. sort of frosted cereal with ice-cold lactose-free milk. Just mm. that's it right there. <laughs> that's it. I like crackers and cheese, you know, Triscuits and cheese. is yeah. like one of my top things. Some cheese salami. It's, anything surrounding cheese is pretty good. <laughs> like a sugar, sugar fiend. Uh, uh, like the same habit I go, went, had going to the liquor store. It was the same habit going to get candy. Um, that like dopamine rush or something with all that like sugar. And I like sour stuff too. It's, um, it's dangerous because it sets kind of the wrong expectation of like what food is supposed to be like. That's why my mom chose heirloom seeds for Harvest Nation so that, um, you know, those have the most flavor. Um, to compete with, like, how our palates have been uh, psychologically hijacked. I'm curious. You work with your family. Can you talk about how that's going and how you navigate working with family and business? Yeah, the the best part about it is no matter what, I know that um, my mom, Denise, my aunt, Tracy Dagan, and my sister, Nikki Paradis, um, all founding members, um, that they all have my back regardless. So um, when I was in my boozing days and I was out missing, um, my aunt Tracy came looking for me um, when she didn't have to or anything to try to make sure I was safe and sound. And so we need all aunties out there all on deck keeping track of um, all of our family, because it's so easy for folks to go missing, get hurt, all of that. So um, I know without a doubt um, that um, folks in my company, my family have my back um, at the end of the day. So whatever happens with the business, that, that love is there and I'm so grateful for it. Um, we all are very, uh, what would you say? We all are very opinionated. And so in another interview a few years ago, I didn't realize this would become like the heading of the of the interview, but we have what's called now bear clan negotiating, um, where sometimes, you know, <laughs> we just sit down and we, we can go toe to toe, um, respectfully as much as we can to try to hammer out our next direction. So lately it's been, um, getting our prototype done. Um, my mom's house has needed a lot of work, plus she's been working at the mine. And so it's been, and she got hurt and got sick and sepsis and all these other things, um, come first. Um, so as much as, you know, I, you know, would want to get in there and start, you know, doing the, uh, prototyping, um, quicker, faster, all this other stuff. Um, you know, her house needs have come first, her health needs have come first. It's not like I was trying to like, Hey, get out of the hospital and come work on that prototype right now. <laughs> Nothing like that. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't know if that came across at all. Um, but just, you know, I, I let it be now up to her when she's ready to call me in. Um, and so she now gave me an update a couple of days ago that she's ready to start germinating seeds as early as next week. Um, so I'm really, really excited now because um, we, you know, suffered kind of like a lot of um, lag time in the past year or so in meeting some of our goals. Um, so, yeah, we're getting going again. Great. Well, Danny, do you have anything else you'd want to talk about or discuss before we say Gigawabaman? Yeah, I'm just really, really happy to to share. And um, if anybody wants to help out with the Boys Sport Food Sovereignty Group stuff, if you want to come visit um, or co-collaborate, uh, we are on Facebook. So if you type in Boys, B-O-I-S, Sport, F-O-R-T-E, Food Sovereignty Group, um, you can find our group there and you can send us a message or you can just send me one on Facebook. 
Jimmy Gwitch. Jimmy Gwitch, Danny? Same to you, bro. Jimmy Gwitch, Giga Wobbleman. Thank you to Danny Paratos of the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa. She works at Harvest Nation, an indoor aeroponic farm concept, and is also the co-founder of Boys Fort Sovereignty and Sustainable Agriculture Community Group. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.